loud enough i'm sure it is but i'm just gonna turn it up a little um well i hope you enjoyed last week's episode with uh lisa chanel i enjoyed talking to her uh, as she is a close personal friend um that was a good episode it got kind of uh kind of interesting kind of heavy i actually you know i recently got a message from a comic who said he listened to my podcast fan uh a comic who was a fan of mine <laughs> and he said that he was surprised that the podcast like got really deep and i was like really um but you know honestly i shouldn't be surprised at this point because my entire life i have felt entirely misunderstood as a person <laughs> and i don't think people exactly know uh the depths of my thinking or um, just how, you know, multifaceted and complicated I am uh, as a human, you know, because humans, humans are complicated. But my mind is something that I don't think a lot of people quite understand. And um, I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine with it. I, I, I have felt misunderstood my entire life. You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to say, Heather, when is the mothership returning for you? You know, as to imply that I'm alien-like, um, which kind of makes sense because I am an Aquarius son and Aquarians are kind of associated with that, you know, that sort of feeling of um, not belonging or feeling misunderstood. So, and my son is on the descendant and Lisa told me that, but so that means that if my son is on the descendant, then there's going to be sort of like misinterpretations of what I'm really like. Um, and I feel like I, I only show, you know, certain people what I'm really like and what I'm about. Um, because I'm a very loyal, I'm a very loyal friend. So if I'm friends with somebody, you know, if they've been vetted uh, then they're probably a good person too. <laughs> you know, gotta vet them. You can't just like let anything come into your life. You know, that's how you uh, get, you know, demons and spirits uh, of a negative nature entering your life. I, I'm already sounding so eccentric right now. And I wasn't even thinking about this before I started. I was thinking about something totally different. I was thinking about how, man, I had a case of the Mondays today. <laughs> it, it was Monday today. And, you know, when you work in an office, you know, as you do when you're an artist like myself, because um, if, if you're truly 
an artist. You work a day job, okay? Um, I I mean, yeah, sure, there's plenty of people who don't work day jobs. They're lucky enough to not have to do that. You know, they made it, whatever. But, you know, I work a day job, and I balance that with my uh, artistic ambitions. And I think it actually makes me more motivated, you know, because look at this. I'm recording this podcast. It's almost one in the morning, and I'm doing it because I have to put out content for the fans, okay? <laughs> I am dedicated to this. I I don't know. My workaholism is just out of control sometimes. But anyway, um. Mm. Sorry, I took a sip of water. Um, it's all happening. Um, yeah, so I, uh, well, first of all, I started out my day. Something so strange happened. I was driving. I was on, um, I don't want to say which street I was on because God knows like what types of people are listening to this. Um, but I was driving to work and there was a guy, I was in the left lane and there was a guy in the right lane in a pickup truck and I could see him like he was like stopped right next to me and I could see him like motioning like he was trying to like get my attention and I I definitely know why it's because he was being a fucking creep you know I mean that this is how I have to start out my work week is with a guy driving right next to me and he drove next to me on purpose for like two miles because there was like no traffic ahead of him he could have just like driven right along but instead he's like driving right along next to me and like trying to like peek in my car you know because I was wearing like a short skirt or whatever um yeah that was not good uh (laughs) I you know I I know that people well we're it's 2019 we're in a new world, you know, women, you know, we're just not going to take it. We're just not going to take it anymore. I did not acknowledge what he was doing, but I still think it's like sad that we live in a world where my first interaction with a human for the day is somebody sexually objectifying me through in traffic. I didn't like it. Okay. So that's the first thing that happened today. Again, not shocking, though. You know, I mean, some of the things... I Have I ever done, like, a segment where I talk about, like, the types of, like, cat calls I've received? It's so bizarre. One of the weirdest cat calls I ever got, <laughs> which doesn't... I mean, I, I, it was a cat call. I, um... So I had been sick all night uh, before with, um, you know, a stomach thing. So I wasn't feeling good. You know, I had been, you know, on a toilet for a long time. <laughs> It was really bad. Some type of food poisoning. And I I got up the next morning looking like, I thought I looked like shit. Like I was like pale, uh, you know, just sweaty, you know, having like a, uh, a pallor to me that was unpleasant. And I step outside of my apartment. The first thing that happens, it's like eight in the morning, eight in the morning. This guy looks at me and he goes, you look so beautiful today and I was like what like I've just been having like the runs is that too graphic for you guys <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking if the runs is too graphic with like the things I talk about um yeah but 
I, I was not feeling attractive and this guy just like, so it just goes to show you that no matter what you look like, no matter what you're wearing, even if you're like deathly ill and depleted of all of your electrolytes because you were shitting for like seven hours, men will still comment on what you look like. And that, and I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is because we've allowed men to do stuff like that. So whatever, fuck it. Um, so my second interaction today <laughs> was in the elevator in my office building. And um, there's an attorney in the office. I'm really not even sure what his name is. I It doesn't matter. I wouldn't say it on the podcast anyway. But um, he... He talked to me last week and I, I don't know, like he was like, somebody told me that you do comedy. And I was like, yeah, you caught me. I, I do comedy. <laughs> I do comedy. Okay. And this is always the worst when people find this out and they want to ask you questions. Um, but he asked me if I ever perform at the Ha Ha Cafe. And I just want to make it clear, folks, I do not perform at the Ha Ha Cafe. I've worked very hard to make sure that I don't have to perform at the Ha Ha Cafe. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's a fine place. Okay. But it's also a place I think they charge you like, I forget how much, I don't know, they charge you like $25 to like record your set or something. Something crazy. And also like they have a lot of like bringer shows and Folks, I am not a bringer comic, okay? I've never done a bringer show. I'll never do a bringer show. I've never had to do them. And if you have to do them, fine. But, it, like, don't talk about it. Hide it as much as possible. <laughs> and actually, just don't do bringers. This is my... If you're a young comic listening to this, or you're thinking about doing comedy, just don't do bringer shows. Because honestly, they're so morally reprehensible. And if you don't know what a bringer show is, it's essentially when... Okay, so let's say... So we're talking... Let's say um, you're at the comedy store, right? And the comedy store has these, like, these outside bookers who book bringers. So a bringer, they'll have, like, maybe, like, a, a couple of, like, experienced headliners on the bill. But then they'll, like, bring in these, like, younger, inexperienced comics who, you know, haven't built up an audience. They may not even have, like, um, even, like, a 10-minute solid set built up, you know. And then they're, like, taken advantage of. And they're told, like, oh, well, you have to bring you know, 10 people to the show. Otherwise you'll only get like a certain amount of time. So they, they're like trapped in this thing where they only get to go up a certain number of minutes, depending on how many people they bring and they don't get paid, but the bringer will basically like keep the door. And these shows bring in so much fucking money of no idea, thousands of dollars. And the producer just like pockets it all. Um, so that's why it's bad. Don't do it. Um, so back to this guy who, this, uh, guy in my office who asked if I perform at the Ha Ha Cafe. So we were in the elevator together this morning and he, and he, this is of course peak office. Okay. If you're not talking about what day of the week it is, do you even work in an office? Because he goes, he turns to me and he goes, <clears throat> Monday, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's Monday. And, and and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I'm like on some other like 
intellectual level or, you know, a different, um, you know, mental plane than other people. I am. But <laughs> this is, I feel like people always underestimate, like, my intelligence and, like, the things I have to say. I don't know if it has to do with the fact that, like... You know, like I'm I'm a pretty girl. Like I have a pretty face. I have big boobs. I have um a nice ass that so many men have commented on. Um so I feel like there's some type of like cognitive dissonance where they're like, "Oh, this is like this is a a woman who, you know, she doesn't like think about much. She probably loves uh Grey's Anatomy. She might have um some artwork on the wall of her apartment depicting like different bottles of wine. And guess what? That's not me. I'm not basic. Okay? I have a painting of Larry David on my bedroom wall. <laughs> okay? Like that's that's the type of stuff I'm into. You know, like I love comedy. I love uh, obscure comedy. Like, you know, I love like the Larry Sanders show, like anything like sardonic or sarcastic. You know, that's like my wheelhouse. You know, I'm I'm very much into art of all types. You know, I go to art galleries, museums. Um, I love like all types of different music. I think people I think a lot of people would be surprised the types of music I'm into. Like, I pretty much listen to everything. Even country music. I hate when people say, like, oh, I like all types of music except country. Well, let me, whatever. Fuck it. Like, there's good country music. Plus, I grew up in Colorado, so, like, maybe I'm biased, but there's good country out there. Okay? So, this is what he says. He goes, Monday, right? And I'm, like, standing there, and I'm just like, Ugh. I have my sunglasses on, and I'm not feeling good. I had a late night. <laughs> On well, I don't. Oh my god, I I I was like out partying on on Saturday to like five, um, because I'm responsible. But anyway, um, he's like uh, just uh five more days, and it's so funny because I have a bit about this that I haven't done in a couple of years about like people just like counting down the days in the office until Friday, but it's like time. It it just keeps happening. So there's going to be another Monday. I do not understand, like, the excitement about a weekend because I also, like, do work on the weekends and I do comedy, too. So I'm, like, constantly working on stuff and, like, trying to build this other career. <laughs> um, so I don't think about the days of the week like this. And I have nothing to say about Mondays. I really don't. I mean, if he... I I don't know. Like, if he had, like, he might as well just be a Garfield meme. Like, a walking Garfield meme where, I hate Mondays. And how can Garfield really hate Mondays? You know, like, he does he have an office? He doesn't. He doesn't have anyone telling him what to do. So, yeah, that's my office story for today. Um... I wanted to talk about something. Oh, I, I should touch base on this. I did um, I did win my roast battle last week at the comedy store. So thanks to Deidre Devlin for um, battling me and uh, being good sport. I had fun. Um, and yeah, folks, I don't want to brag. Okay, but shit, I was fucking on fire on this roast battle <laughs> like I you know I was worried about it I always see this is why I didn't do them for so long I took a break of like 
oh it was like seven months no eight months um they're so nerve-wracking and the jokes have to be on point i i know people don't really like respect roast battle uh maybe as much as they used to i think i think when comics like kind of like trash roast battle or say that it sucks it's because they know that they can't do it like (laughs) like because i consider myself to be like i want to be you know like a multi-faceted performer so the fact that i do stand up you know got the podcast um and then i do roast battle and other stuff like i want to be able to do a bunch of different things but i you know i want to do them all well Um, And I, you know, I take pride in, you know, being able to write these jokes for Roast Battle because my stand-up, you know, it's more long form um, because the jokes you're doing, like you're doing like one-liners basically. So I want people to know that I'm able to write those types of jokes. Um, So it's just like a really good like showcase for writers and, you know, a lot of important people still go there, you know, the comedy central execs are in there jeff ross was there on tuesday he judged he loved it um hi jeff uh i know you're not listening but (laughs) maybe someday you'll be on um yeah jeff ross is cool um and then yeah all the judges voted for me i'm not i i don't want to brag but i had some really good jokes and you could see it on the uh the roast report um yeah um, so I think I'm going to do another roast battle, but I'm not sure who I want to battle yet. So I'm going to think about that. I've had a couple of offers and they might be really interesting. So I'll think about that. Um, oh, this brings us to our next topic. Um, yeah. Uh, so there was a new movie that came out recently and I still haven't seen the Avengers movie. Sorry. Um, I literally have not found three and a half hours in in my days in the last 10 days or whatever since the movie has been out to go and see this movie it's it's three and a half hours well it's three hours long total but you know there's previews and then there's you know you have to drive to the theater so let's this is like easily like four hours of your day maybe four and a half haven't had time to do it but I guess I'll see it at some point. Um, what I did go to see this weekend was the new um, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron movie called Long Shot. And, you know, I see a lot of people like talking about this movie. <laughs> you know, they think uh, they. Uh, OK, so Seth Rogen, like, obviously has been in, you know, there's those like stereotypical movies or I guess romantic comedies. Well, I guess this happens more in sitcoms where there's like, you know, like a schlubby kind of unattractive guy who gets with a very attractive woman and people are like, oh, it's just another movie where an unattractive man gets with a hot woman. And it's not necessarily that. I mean, it's, there's so much going on in this movie. It's, it honestly has a lot of, um, uh, feminist positive feminist messages in it because Charlize Theron so her character in the movie she's the secretary of state of the United States it's a comedy you have to hold you have to like um what's 
what am I, what's the phrase? Hold your disbelief. Suspend, suspend your disbelief. Um, because they're, it's so ridiculous. I mean, if I'm not going to explain everything that happens in the movie, but you know, a lot of it, it, it's set in a world that doesn't exist. Okay. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, and then Seth Rogen, uh, plays a journalist who, you know, like your hipster, typical Brooklyn uh, journalist. He, he like in, in they show an article he wrote that was called it just said fuck Exxon, which is that's so fucking funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they know each other because Shirley's uh, babysat him in high school. That's the link there. And then they're brought back together um, when uh, Seth Rogen's friend, the movie played by um Ice Cube's son. What is his name? O'Shea Jackson Jr. Uh, brings him to a party and they both see each other again. So anyway, um, Charlize Theron's character, or her name's Charlotte, and she's also going to be running for president. See, this is... <laughs> I mean, I guess you, you do have to suspend your disbelief, but you also don't. Because women are running for president, obviously. You know, but I don't know. Just... Some of the things in the movie, like, would never happen. You have to see it to understand what I'm saying. But one of the things I'm, like, so tired of is how people try to pretend that, like, Seth Rogen isn't attractive. Like, I've had a crush on him since, like, 2005. Like, when I saw him in The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I was like, who is that? (laughs) And I'm sure I'd seen him before because I did see Freaks and Geeks when it was on. But um, that was the first time I was like, oh, my God, like, who is that guy? And I know that may sound like crazy to some of you, but he's like a good looking guy. Okay, he's good looking. He's funny. He has a nice personality. Um, And IRL, he's like really successful. He's worth like $75 million. And he's like very entrepreneurial. And he has um, his own production company, which produced this movie. And, you know, he's, like, starting a a line of, like, designer weed. I don't know. I like him. I think he's a nice guy. What what am I going to say? So every time, like, like someone's like, oh, can you believe that Seth Rogen is blah, blah, blah in this movie? I'm like, yeah. Like, he's, he's like, a nice guy. Like, who wouldn't want to be with a nice guy? I want a nice guy. Okay? Believe it or not, I do. Despite my dating history, I want to be with a nice guy. I do. Mm. So the movie is cute. Um, but, you know, it, and it does kind of like um, it, it, it basically comments on like the expectations that society has of women because Charlotte, you know, she's always trying to like, she has to try to appear perfect and, and, and beautiful and like display a sense of humor. So it's kind of like talking, commenting on like, these unrealistic expectations that we have in place for women, especially women in the professional world and women in the world of politics. And the movie kind of like deconstructs that. And like, you know, like you see the real Charlotte, like coming out like later in the movie. I don't know. I thought it was really cute and uh, had some good feminist messages. Okay. Is it a perfect movie? No. Okay, it does have a lot of good jokes in it. So, you know, um, I do recommend it if you 
want to see a light movie. I mean, I guess it kind of is um, a pretty decent romantic comedy for, especially now because, you know, romantic comedies, when was the last time they were good? I, I guess like in the aughts, like, you know, they're, like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is probably one of the last like good romantic comedies. Remember there was just like that era of romantic comedies? I guess, yeah, it was probably like the 90s through the aughts. So like you're starting out with like, I would like, I would start the bookend with like Pretty Woman. I would say that would be like one of the earliest, you know, examples of that golden era of rom-coms so i would i would start with pretty woman and i'd probably end with uh how to lose a guy in 10 days i think that sounds about right you know and then what what do we have in between there we have like you know all the julia roberts movies runaway bride notting hill one of my faves um is love actually in there i guess it is um oh uh the mel gibson one what what women want before he got all you know bad uh (laughs) i love that movie it was so good um first wives club does that count as a romantic comedy i guess it does um and of course in that era you have you know sex in the city as a television show it was just like an interesting era in film especially for i don't know the way that women were portrayed i feel like you know women were portrayed as like oh oh i want this like perfect like romantic fantasy ideal of love and that's something that's kind of um fallen apart in the last few years because everybody knows it's a lie (laughs) we we all know that's a lie right it's not real um I mean, love is real, you know, but like these, these perceptions of romance and love as, as fantasy or as, you know, like, oh, somebody, a man is going to come into my life and sweep me off my feet and be perfect and treat me perfectly. And we're going to live happily ever after in a, a nice uh, French colonial house with a white fence and our uh, two children. And sometimes that can happen, you know, if, if that's you, no, no shade, good on you. But, um, I, yeah, I think that the way we, um, discuss love and romance and, you know, we like, we tell like young girls like, oh, you're, you know, one day you'll meet a prince. You're going to meet a prince. And I think we need to have more realistic, uh, views on this because I think, Um, this ideal fantasy of love is dangerous. And I think that's what gets people into a lot of um, trouble in relationships. You know, they think things are supposed to be one way, but guess what? People are complicated. Uh, The way people behave is complicated. Relationships are complicated in general. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going with this. But... Yeah, I I feel like we're, I don't know, we're just in a time now, I think we're living in such an interesting time, like the way things are changing, it seems like so rapidly, and I guess it's because of social media, 
and the internet like just like people are able to communicate now faster than ever and it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because you know the the quickness of it is good but i guess the issue with it is you know clarifying the message i don't know there's probably some sort of like marshall McLuhan reference i could make here right now the medium is the message that's what he used to say so if the medium is the message and we're talking about social media as the medium of messages oh then we're then we're talking about a clusterfuck so the the social media is a clusterfuck right so we're living in a time where the message of the way we communicate is clusterfuck that's my conclusion (laughs) on that that makes sense everything it's it's like too much the news cycle is crazy because tonight I was thinking like, do I even have, is there anything in the news that I should talk about on the podcast? And I literally, I don't know what, what is going on in the news because, well, oh, the Met Gala happened tonight. For me, that's news. I care about the Met Gala. Okay. As a woman with a sophisticated palette and background, I care about things like the Met Gala and the theme of the Met Gala was camp and boy, a lot of people did not understand what that was. Um, When I think camp, I think like John, I don't mean fucking camping outside. So if you're like listening to this and thinking, I mean, camp, like going to camp. No, we're talking about camp, like, like John Waters, uh, you know style so like um god i oh cry baby is my favorite uh john waters movie um but yeah camp here let, let me see if i can find you know a good uh okay let's go to the wikipedia page for camp and it has some parentheses that says style. <laughs> camp is an aesthetic style and sensibility that regards something as appealing because of its bad taste and ironic value. Camp aesthetics disrupt many of modernism's notions of what art is and can be classified as high art by inverting aesthetic attributes such as beauty, value, and taste through an invitation of a different kind of apprehension and consumption. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Camp can also be a social practice. For many, it is considered a style and performance identity for several types of entertainment, including film, cabaret, and pantomime. Cabaret is a good example. Uh, Where high art necessarily incorporates beauty and value, camp necessarily needs to be lively, audacious, and dynamic. Camp aesthetics delights in impertinence. Camp opposes satisfaction and seeks to challenge. Okay, here's where it's complicated. Camp is related to and often confused with kitsch and things with camp appeal may also be described as cheesy. When the usage appeared in 1909, it denoted ostentatious, exaggerated, affected, theatrical, or effeminate behavior. And by the middle of the 1970s, the definition comprised banality, mediocrity, artifice, ostentation, so extreme as to amuse or have a perversely sophisticated appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
Oh, camp aesthetics were popularized by filmmakers George and Mike Kuchar. Uh, Jack Smith and his his film Flaming Creatures and later John Waters, including uh, his films Pink Flamingos, Hairspray, and Polyester. Mm -hmm. Celebrities that are associated with camp personas include drag queens and performers such as Dame Edna. Love Dame Edna. uh, Divine, RuPaul, Paul Lind, and Liberace. Okay. Camp was a part of the anti-academic defense of popular culture in the 1960s and gained popularity in the 1980s with the widespread adoption of postmodern views in art and culture. Okay, so with that said, um, so wasn't the chair of the Met Gala, uh, oh, she's the co-sponsor. So Lady Gaga was the co-sponsor and she showed up camp. Okay, she did like, uh, just go online and look at it. Look at the Met uh, Instagram and she did like an outfit change on the carpet you'll see but um yeah so many people did not understand this theme i mean i think miley cyrus like she didn't get it like i don't she just looked whatever um hmm who did camp well oh billy porter did did uh some good camp he had a an interesting he entered basically as uh an egyptian uh royal figure of, of some type <laughs> hmm i wish i could show you these just go online just look um oh harry styles i don't know if harry styles i mean can we call this camp i don't know i guess hmm he it kind of looks like david bowie basically and he's wearing like a uh, like a sheer lacy frilled uh shirt that's sheer hmm yes who really fit this theme oh Celine Dion i mean she kind of looks like a vegas showgirl <laughs> hmm oh aquafina went to the uh the met gala I read once um, that it's like, I forget how much it is to go to the Met Gala. It's very expensive. It's something like $60,000 or something per ticket. They pay to go. So the celebrities that are there that aren't like the co-chairs or the sponsors, they're they're buying space and it's like coveted. I don't know if you ever saw this documentary. I did. I saw it in the theater. Um... It's called The First Monday in May, and it it's a documentary about uh, how they prepare for the Met Gala and get everything ready to go. It was very interesting. Hmm. Nope, none of these are campy. Uh, eh, Tiffany Haddish did a good job here. Natasha Leone, I guess I would say she got away with it. And the Olsen twins, I don't think that's, uh, this isn't camp to me. Oh, Lena Dunham and Jemima Kirk. I, yes, they did, um, they wore Christopher Kane. I sound so elitist right now. (laughs) That's fine, but they got away with it. So anywho, that's what's in the news. There's, oh, (laughs) oh, Jared Leto's, uh, outfit. So he came with 
I don't know what the fuck he's wearing. He looks like he could be captain of like some sort of ship in a space opera movie. And he has like like rhinestones hanging off of him. But he's carrying a replica of his own head. That's pretty camp. Okay, so I'm going to vote for Jared Leto. Okay, Um, that's pretty campy. So, but other than that, yeah, as I was saying, the news cycle, it's so quick that, you know, you, you see something in the news and then literally the next day they're talking about something else. You know, um, maybe there will be, you know, once in a while an event that, you know, people will be like, oh, I don't know. Like I saw like on the news, there was like some type of like plane crash in Moscow and like 41 people died. But I guess, like, other people on the plane lived. I don't know. The plane caught on fire. But now it's not on the news anymore. (laughs) Like, nobody is talking about that. So, I don't know. Like, it just changes out all the time. I have no idea what's going on with uh, Trump. I mean, I hate saying his name. But, you know, sometimes we have to. Like, I'm on the front page of CNN right now. And everything's just, like, a fucking mess. So... Yeah, I, I'm sure something in the news will happen soon. Oh, um, what's her face had the royal baby? <laughs> uh, Meghan Markle, she had, she had a baby today. Who and he's like seventh in line for the throne, so it'll never happen. Um, but you know he'll have a nice life. I'm sure he'll have a comfortable life, and things will work out for him. Um. I guess that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. Um, I am, uh, one of the things we'll talk about the next time we do a solo episode, because I'm just like step, like dipping my toe into this. Um, my therapist told me that I need to like start going on dates. So I'm, and I, you know, it's not like I don't date, like, it's just like, I haven't, I don't really put effort into it. And I kind of just, like, find boyfriends. Like, that's not a brag, okay? Um, And also, like, I'm the type of woman who kind of, like, if I like a guy, like, I'll, like, kind of, like, perceive him or put it out there. And I feel like that doesn't work. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm doing. But I'm on Hinge. And I have yet to meet any (laughs) anyone in person from this app. Um, It seems like... A lot of people on it are, like, really avoidant and don't ask you out. I have no idea. I'm not sure. But I want to... So I'm going to, like, set a goal for myself of, like, going on, like, three dates by, I don't know, maybe, like, the end of June and see what happens. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's somebody I really like, but, you know, who knows where he is and I mean, he'll be back, but, um, I don't know. In the meantime, I'm going to go on some dates and get some dating experience and I'll report back to you on how it goes. Um, so wish me luck on hinge. It's already a nightmare. Uh, people, I don't even know. We'll talk about it later. Next week, I'll be back with a guest. Don't know who it is. It's who, whoever answers my text fast enough will be the guest next week okay so guys um i'm over my case with the mondays it's tuesday enjoy your week and um i'll be back
Okay, bye.